All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca, your digital home for online gaming excitement, including casino, live dealer, lottery instance, and sport betting. Sign up today at PlayAlberta.ca. And just, uh, Kev, welcome back to the show. I uh, hope things are going well. hope you uh, enjoyed a little bit of uh, time off in the break. And, uh, hey, we jump into it. Uh, the Pacific Division, a major matchup. The order's taken on uh, Vegas. And Aiden Hill, who, of course, uh, was banged up. Uh, uh, but since coming back, uh, Vegas is now 6-3-1. and one, And he has, of course, played a, a huge uh, role in it. Um if you're the orders, like, when you break down the numbers and game style and everything on Hill, like, is there any is there any area... Because the numbers don't show it, but is there any area, if you're Edmonton, you would attack on Hill? Well, I mean, the numbers show that he's, when healthy, been a Vezina Trophy candidate this season. Like, they're they're remarkable. They're spectacular. I remember saying it at the end of last year in the playoffs, Jason, like, as much as the talk was about how well Vegas defended and how a lot of goalies would like to play there, and that's fair, um, the way he played in the Stanley Cup playoffs once he got in, like, uh, compared to – he was – he was good enough compared to the quality of shots he faced that he would have won a Vezina if he can do that for a whole season. Well, when healthy, he's done it this season. The only thing that you can – well, you can attack a lot of different things. But the one thing that's sort of counterintuitive against Aiden Hill, and this is why, like, all teams give up quality. What Vegas gives up when Hill's in there, it just happens to be quality that he defends really well. Okay. And that is low slot line plays. So um, one of the things we've seen around the league – Everything below the hash marks, east-west across the middle of the ice. Like that's one of the biggest increases in offense throughout the entire NHL over the last five years. It's a high danger play, and it's it's a way that teams are trying to score goals. Aiden Hill's exceptional at it. He's got that length. He plays a deeper system where he's further back in his crease, so that push across 
uh, isn't as dramatic. It isn't, doesn't have to cover as much distance. He's got a really wide butterfly. He does a great job of sort of not only extending legs, but getting his arms and hands out over top of the pads to build coverage. And so that's an area where you're like, hey, if we create this type of offense against anyone, we're going to have success. Not so much against Aiden Hill. Against him, you're better to try and create your laterals higher in the zone. And if that means you have an odd man rush and you're trying to make that play just inside the blue line or if you're in the end zone, rather than try and filter everything to the net from below the hash marks, try and work it up into the middle of the ice. That's about the only spot where we see the numbers say you can sort of expose his hands on clean looks from up top. Interesting. And and that's like... You know, it's funny because a lot of teams do try to uh, attack. Now, Edmonton, when you look at their numbers, they'll attack in, in different areas. You know, Zach Hyman, obviously 30 goals. Uh, he, he scores most of his goals uh, around the net. Um, what, what about on rebounds? How, how is Hill as a rebound guy? Um, didn't pull those numbers up, so give me a second as I, as I talk around this. The one thing about a guy like Zach Hyman, like at the end of the day, like you can't go away from what you do well as a team or as an individual to try and create offense. So just because Aiden Hill is exceptional down low doesn't mean you go away from all the ways, uh, you know, that, that a guy like um, Zach Hyman scores goals. The reality, um, the reality is you're, you're kind of like, you do yourself a disservice when you do that, right? Like, just because a guy's good at something, you don't avoid it completely. To me, it's more about looking for other areas. Uh, when it comes to rebounds, Hills, it's you know just another number that's really good for him. Only one goal all season this year on rebound chances. So again, it's a smaller sample size, uh, but there's an area where I think it plays into that low slot line down in tight how good he is. You would expect most goalies have given up more than that, even in a small sample size. Aiden Hill's just so good at taking away the bottom of the net. And again, building vertical coverage in tight. He really understands that most of your shooters know they've just got to get it over that pad. But so when a goalie sort of, we we used to see it when guys would stick their legs out and fall forward, right? And that's all they've got is the pad. Aiden's really good at building, like I said, that vertical coverage. He'll get the arm extended out over top of a pad and project the hand forward, whether it's blocker or glove, to cut off vertical angles. So, again, you see that reflected in those rebound numbers. Uh, Stuart Skinner's numbers have been uh, excellent. And over the weekend, uh, it was announced they're going to have the uh, the Four Nations Cup uh, next year at this time, Kevin. And then, of course, the Olympics the following season. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people, the conversation for Canada goalies comes up. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, Aiden Hill and, uh, you know, Stuart Skinner's numbers the last few months have been pretty good. You know, there's still some people putting Devin Levi there. And I'm like, based, I don't care what he did at World Juniors. Let's talk about NHL numbers. And they're not there yet. Right. So um, where, where do you where do you have Skinner now when you look at the at the Canadian goaltending conversation? This question in another market this morning because of what happens to me, like who's going to be Canada's goalies? And my the first two that jumped to mind were Aiden Hill and a lot of people. Maybe I just wanted to start a fight on Twitter or something. But Jordan Bennington, right, like Jordan Bennington. Uh, the narrative around St. Louis being a good defensive team hasn't been true since they won the cup. He has outperformed some pretty bad defensive environments for long stretches. There's been ups and downs as there always will be when, you know, the environment is as loose as it has been in St. Louis. But you look at the start of this year, um, you know, for the first couple of months, he was right up there, should have been in the Vesna conversation. So Bennington's done it for long enough stretches that he deserves to be in this conversation. Plus, like I said, I just like to get in those engagements with people that don't like Jordan Biddington because of all the extracurricular stuff. But when I was asked this morning, I forgot about Stuart Skinner, and I had to issue a mea culpa when the hosts asked me what about him because he should be in the conversation. I think 
this year's playoff run will probably go a long way towards determining how seriously he's considered. But everything he's done this year, everything he did last year in the regular season, and almost to, more to the point, the growth mindset that he's shown um, throughout this, the way he handles adversity, the way he handles such a big stage, like those are all positive. So he absolutely is turning towards being a guy who will be in consideration for Canada. I do think the focus that comes to the playoffs and when a team really can try and attack certain tendencies in your game, he needs to have a little bit of success there to sort of get over the top and into that conversation with a guy like Aiden Hill, who's got a cup with a guy like Jordan Bennington, who's got a cup, but for sure, anybody who's overlooking him, myself included earlier this morning um, is doing Stuart Skinner a disservice and arguably Canada's chances of winning the next time they play internationally a disservice as well. Cause he's been that good. Yeah. He, uh, he's been excellent. Uh, for the Edmonton owners, there's no question. Now, you talked earlier about, you know, Vegas. The things they, they give up are, are the areas that Aiden Hill defends very well. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to look into it, Kevin, but when you're looking at Skinner's game lately, like, are you seeing... I know the orders aren't giving up a ton of high-quality chances. They are giving up some, no question. They've had a few games where Stuart Skinner's had to steal them games. But have you noticed a trend recently under... um uh, coffee and knoblock of where the orders because every team's going to give up some chances right are are, th- are they giving up chances from a certain area that matches skinner better similar to hill in vegas um without doing a deep dive and, and i i didn't sort of prep for this in terms of really going you know spending a good half hour looking at the numbers the one that jumps out and i've mentioned this before it's just rush jason like it, it's all about rush chances right and that's not that's not to say Stuart skinner can't be good off the rush but when you look at the strengths and weaknesses of his game um, right now in, in his career arc, like the decisions, the depth decisions, some of the reads off the rush, uh, A, they were giving up more chances, more high, more of the highest danger chances off the rush than any team in the league before the coaching change. So a lot of goalies are going to struggle behind that. Now they're number one since the coaching change. That's a huge difference. And I think it just – there's a learning curve to managing rushes and making those reads and making those decisions. And he's still really young in his career. So this isn't to say he can't be a great rush goalie, but right now that's not the strength of his game and they're not giving those up anymore. Yeah. You get the odd one, but not as continuously as they were giving them up before. And that, you know, that led to a lot of times where they'd make a team would make a lateral pass and the net would be open and people would be like, ah, he had no chance on that, but he'd be so far out on the initial one, you know, you're assuming reading shot to take that much ice that he didn't give himself a chance and, and vice versa. Other times where he, there was an inconsistency to his management of rush chances that combined with how egregiously they were giving them up just wasn't a great fit. Now they're not giving them up. And so we're not seeing examples of that inconsistency in the way he manages the rush. And part of that may be learning curve, but I think a big part of it is just not giving up to the degree they were early. Kevin Woodley from uh, Ingold Magazine and uh, NHL.com joins us. Uh, Kev, uh, the uh, the LA Kings made a change, uh, coaching change. Uh, we saw Cam Talbot's numbers early in the year for a smaller part of the season. Were pretty good, but uh, since then, you know, basically since December first, if numbers even middle of November haven't been very good. Well, his backup David Riddich's numbers have been quite good. So what do you make of that in L.A. where your backup has a 920, but your starter has a 900? One guy started 20 games, the starter, and the backup has started eight. Um, is it system? Is it Cam Talbot? What is it? And what changes do you think you might see under Jim Hiller? Probably if you've heard this before, uh, Edmonton Oilers fans, but um, Rush, I mean, they went, they're went. they still in a top-end defensive team in the league overall, but since mid-December, the Rush chances have gone 
up significantly. Not to the point where the Oilers were under Woodcroft to start the season, but 20th in the NHL for a team who's usually in the top five. And that seems to be where Cam's getting exposed the most. David Riddich is full value. Like a lot of times we see the raw numbers in LA and you're like, oh, this is all team play, right? Like, and, and there's times where that's been true. Even when Talbot had a 930, like he was outperforming his environment. But I remember us discussing it by about 1%, which would rank in the 20s in the National Hockey League, whereas his raw numbers would have put him in the top five. So that grain of salt existed with David Riddich. The only two guys in the national hockey league right now with better adjusted save percentages than David Riddich are Aiden Hill, who we've already talked about and Jacob Markstrom, who should be getting run as a Vesna trophy candidate. He's been so remarkable in Calgary behind a team that's left him out to dry a lot, like an expected save percentage of 874. The environment is friendly. No question. Even with some of the changes in LA and the, the increase in rush chances, still a team goalies want to play for and Riddich is playing really well. Um, you know, his expect, expected is above league average and he's outperforming that. Like I said, at a level that very few in the NHL have reached. Sample's still small, um, but, you know, like some guys that are having incredible seasons, he's ahead of them. Jeremy Swayman, Thatcher Demko, Charlie Lindgren, Connor Ingram, Linus Allmark, Connor Hellebuck. His adjusted save percentage over his time so far this season betters them all. The big question with Riddich has always been consistency. Mm-hmm. And so let's see if he can do it for a stretch. Because if he could do it for a month in an increased workload, if they start to flip the script on who's starting and some of those numbers you mentioned with Talbot and him and who's getting many games, man, that might change in terms of, you know, their approach to the deadline. If they, I don't know if you ever go in thinking like Dave's our guy, like there's just a, there's a, there's a looseness to his game that leads to up and downs. But certainly your panic level in terms of needing to upgrade your goaltending might drop if he can keep this up for another month or so. So if you were LA, would you, would you give him that opportunity now? Would you run with Riddich more? I certainly, I think you need to see whether he can handle it, to be honest with you. Like the, you know, and, and this kind of actually brings us back to our conversation about the Oilers goaltending a little bit. Like it's stabilized, right? Mm-hmm. The question is if, if you need somebody else, do you trust them? Like, and so do you give them an opportunity to try? Like the, we've talked about this before. Jack Campbell never got to play behind an Oilers team that defended this well this season, right? He, he was gone by the time they fixed a lot of these things. Olivia Rodrigue, similar questions. Um, in LA, you've got those two guys on your roster. It makes sense to me. Plus, Cam Talbot, one of the things is maybe overplaying a guy who's getting up there in years. Uh, It makes sense to me completely that you need to run David Rich out here on a more regular basis um, to try and get a feel for whether you can trust this into the playoffs. And, you know, just, you know, how solid an option is he for you? What about uh, Anaheim, who the orders play on uh, Friday night? It might be a chance to break an NHL uh, record. You look, John Gibson in uh, in 31 starts, 901. Uh, Lucas Dostal in 19 starts, he's a 902. Uh, but Gibson's allowed uh, 3.05 goals to uh, Dostal allowing 3.5. What what do you make of the goaltending situation in Anaheim? I know that the environment plays a big factor. No question they're, about it, right? Yeah, um, th- yeah, they're both not bad, Jay. Like, honestly... As much as environment plays a factor, their their expected save percentages. So, so what their save percentage would be if the average goalie saw that quality of shots is eight eighty eight, which may sound low to a lot of people, but it's actually the league average this year. So hmm. that's not terrible. Like that's not like that's not like the Oilers, frankly, for the first six weeks of the season before the coaching change. Like it wasn't in the basement. They're not in the basement, and both guys are treading water just slightly above expected. They grayed out kind of in the mid-30s. 
kind of like Jack Campbell did when he was in Toronto for all those years, right? You've heard me talk about that before. So the goaltending hasn't been exceptional. You won't see it in a goals against average because they do give up a fair amount of, of quantity, but the quality is right around league average. So I do think it can be overwhelming playing on a bad team for a long period of time. You've heard me talk about Gibson. I still think there's more upside there if you were to give him a chance to win. And there's been stretches in his career there recently where – They've been good for a period of time, and he's given them what they needed and beyond. Right now, they're both giving them relatively similar levels, just above expected. Um, not bad goaltending. Goaltending's not the problem most nights, but it's also not at, like, say, a Jacob Markstrom level where you're going to win games because of your goaltending. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, one last one for you. When you look at the goalies available, and you've talked a lot about environment and everything like that, and, you know, if they go here, there, there's there's Marc-Andre Fleury in Minnesota. Some people wonder, hey, is, is he on the move? Uh, you know, he's probably going to be picky and choosy on where he goes. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, there's another guy who maybe gets in the Canadian conversation. Now his numbers, you know, behind San Jose, I, I think it's pretty difficult to have great numbers. But yeah. what would you make of either one of those? Like, which one of them do you think would be, be better suitable for for some of the teams that are looking for goaltending at this point? Is there one that's better suited stylistically? Uh, that's a really good question. Flurry's got better numbers. Um. Even adjusted, even for environment. And I know his raw numbers don't look great, uh, but he's gotten sort of, for the first time in his career, he's getting sort of the backup minutes and those are tougher. And they show in sort of his lower than usual expected save percentage. In other words, tough environment. He's outperformed it, especially since the coaching change to the point where I would very much consider him if I was a team looking it's tough to say upgrade. My only hesitation on Flurry is we've seen this before. And then in the playoffs, he sort of reverts a little bit, like goes back to the guy who's a little hyper aggressive at times. There's always that element of athleticism 
but he didn't rely on it during, you know, the years where he was amongst the top goalies, like winning a Vezina trophy in Vegas and was full marks for it. Um, at times in the pressure moments, he reverts back to that. And so I'd worry about that in the playoffs, but over the course of the season, he still is playing at a very high level. Blackwood's numbers aren't as good, but man, the potential there. The thing is, I think the Sharks see it too. Like he's built like a linebacker. He's huge. He takes up a ton of net, doesn't have to be aggressive. If you can get him under control, he kind of reminds me, and I said this going into the season, like could he be the next Aiden Hill in the right situation? I see that upside there in, in Mackenzie Blackwood physically and the tools he has. I think San Jose sees it too, and so I think the guy more likely to be dealt out of there is Capo Kakinen. And stylistically, it's not as pretty, but results-wise – well, what would you say if I told you Capo Kakinen's adjusted save percentage is top 20 in the league right now? And when you filter out some of the smaller sample guys, it gets into the top 15. Like he's he's quietly put together a lot of things this season. And so I wonder, it's almost a, especially if the Sharks sort of see the upside in Blackwood and are willing to live through some of the short-term pain to get there, is there a possibility that Capo Kakinen becomes a, a trade deadline target for somebody Guy with a lot of pedigree before, I wasn't necessarily sold on, to be perfectly honest, Jason, but he's really tightened things up this year, and that's hard to do behind that team. And the numbers sort of show a guy who's maybe better than what the what the stuff you'll see on NHL.com suggests. Hmm. All right. Kev, hope you feel better soon, my man, and uh, we Thank will you. chat with you uh, next Monday. Thanks for bearing with the gravelly voice here today, Jason. I appreciate it. Under the weather, but I'll be back and rare to go next week.